Yo, this is the Live from the Kitchen podcast, hosted by me, Virgil, with Infrastructure of a Man. And today's topic is the Enlightenment of a Man. So I have a quote here that I want to read to you all first. It states, the easiest time to see the light is in the dark. It was a very dark time in my life that I went through. Um, I was in a very dark place at this time. During this time, I felt hopeless. I felt useless. I was lost. I felt worthless. I was feeling all of those feelings. Those things were inside of me consistently churning within me over and over and over, day after day after day. And those were the exact feelings that I consistently felt that I just could not shake when I sat down and wrote out my suicide letters to my family and friends. I actually sat down and I wrote out a suicide letter to my children. I wrote out one to my wife. I wrote out one to my friends. I wrote out one to my my family members. And then I wrote out one to just people in general. Um, Every day I felt myself slipping away more and more. I was having random breakdowns. Um, In those breakdowns, it was just rivers of tears pouring down my face and I started growing a strong disdain for anyone because they loved the person that I despised the most which was my greatest enemy which had become myself I had mentally emotionally and spiritually died and I was at peace with physically dying as well I replayed it over and over and over again I felt it I envisioned it I could actually feel myself holding the gun in my hand. I could feel myself pressing the gun up against my head. Like I could feel how that felt. I made it so real because I was I was ready to check out of here. I relived the moment over and over again to make sure I covered all my bases. Um, and I, just, I, I went over everything, I envisioned everything, but it was one thing that I did not envision. And that one thing that I did not envision was the pain in my wife's eyes as I laid out my plan of transition to her. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you didn't really want to do it because you told somebody. That wasn't it at all. I was I was gone. Mentally, I was done. Emotionally, I was done. The only reason why I had told my wife was so that way she would not get caught off guard when she came home. I, I felt like I felt like me doing it and not letting her know, not giving her the opportunity to prepare herself would be selfish on my part. Now, I understand the whole thought of, you know, taking myself out of this world when I have a wife, especially at that time who was pregnant. I know that in itself seems very selfish, but I had got past all like I was past all of those things. I just didn't want her to be caught off guard because I didn't know how she was going to react. That's why I told her what my plan of transition was. And as I'm telling her, all she could do was yell out, why? Like, why are you doing this? Like, just tears flowing down her eyes. And it was and it was crazy, y'all. And it was like, when she said that, my response, and in, 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 the, in the language will get a little graphic here, but I just want to convey where I was at in that moment. But my response was as if I totally stepped aside. 
like it was as if something else or someone else was answering for me. It was almost like like my inner child or my soul was answering. And I just cried out like I had tears flowing down my eyes. Her crying was making me cry. I got tears flowing down my eyes. I'm choking up and I just yelled out because I'm fucked up and I don't know how to fix it. Now, I got to that point because it, was a, it wasn't one thing. It was a culmination of many things that got me to that point. See, earlier in that day, my wife and I, we had gotten to this huge argument. And during the argument, there was this huge look of disappointment that was on her face. And that was almost, that was basically the straw that broke the camel's back. So I had, so I was dealing with that. And it wasn't like, oh, we got into this argument and I'm like, oh, I want to kill myself. No, it was, I was remarried. So I had already went through a failed marriage. And in between my, my first marriage and my second marriage, there was a relationship that I was in that I felt like, you know, I did everything I could. It didn't work out. Then I met my wife and I felt like, okay, did like I got everything right. Everything should be good. And the fact that we were having these arguments, I was like, you know, I'm like, I really felt like a failure as a man providing for a woman. To go along with, I had recently moved up to Atlanta. So I was in a new city, a new place. Didn't really know anyone. All of my family were back home. All of my children were back home. So I wasn't able to see my children. I had gotten my CDLs when I moved up here. And in the midst of me getting my CDLs, there was a point in time where, you know, I really was sacrificing. Like I was sleeping in my truck at a truck stop. And for those of y'all who know Atlanta, you know the area Bankhead and you know it's not that great of an area. But I was sleeping in my truck at a truck stop in Bankhead just so I could be close enough because I didn't know the city like that. And I was sleeping there just so I could be close enough to the job that I had gotten. So I would work, you know, go bust my tail, work six days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. And I would go back. I would pull up to the truck. I would go. I would pull up to the truck stop. I would get me something to eat either from the Burger King that was next door. They had a wing place across the street. And then I would just sit in my truck and I would read and then I would relax and then I would go to sleep. So I had to be to work the next day. And I did that every day. Um, so I made a lot of sacrifices in that trucking position. I bust my tail. Like I was busting my tail so much that I was working underneath somebody else um, as a contractor. And the individuals that were that were in charge of dispatches and whatnot, they loved my work ethic so much that they would request me to work more. Like they were trying to get me to work on my seventh day. I didn't work seven days a week because I observed Sabbath. So, you know, I was busting my tail. They loved me. They wanted me to work as much. They would give me all the assignments. They gave, I got end up getting a raise after like a week because of my work ethic. You know, they wanted me to come back because it was a seasonal position. They wanted me to come back the next season, um, you know, but then that had ended up falling through. Uh, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Even though I bust my tail to, you know, to put myself in a better situation to uh, make more money or whatnot. I ended up getting a position at Coke and I ended up resigning from Coke. 
I had learned a trade. The teacher, I had taught myself a trade, learned a trade. You know, thought this business was going to work out for me. It didn't work out. So all of the, like, I just continued to have failure after failure after failure. And no matter what I did, I felt like I was failing. So when I saw that, that look of, of basically, what's the word that I'm looking for? When I saw that look of disappointment in my wife's eyes, that was just like the culmination of how I felt about myself. So now that I'm sitting, actually having this conversation with you, maybe she didn't really give me that look. Maybe that was just what I saw in myself at that moment in her. But all I know is that was the, that moment was the straw that broke the camel's back. So moving forward, we talked, we talked through the situation. You know, she really helped walk me back from that point help walk me back to a more stable sound mind help me you know really realize some things and you know just really encourage and lift me up so when she did and i just saw just how much my wife was going to miss me and i and here's the thing because a lot of people they they kill themselves they commit suicide and they have their nose and they feel like they weren't loved i knew i was loved I knew I was loved. Me not being loved was though was not even an option. Like even that day when I was at Shabbat service, typically I'm a very outgoing, bubbly, very caring, charismatic, smiling, cheery, energetic person. And I wasn't that. Like I literally, my spirit was dead. And everybody could sense it. And everybody was just checking on me, make sure I was right. I couldn't stop crying. Everybody was like, really like hugging me. So I knew I was loved. I knew that. But I was, I was externally loved. I wasn't internally loved. And I just felt like I just couldn't get right. And I was, I was trying everything I could to get right. And I just felt like I could not get right the harder I tried the worse things got but after having that conversation with my wife I created a contract with myself that was the first thing that I did I created a contract with myself and I said and I promised this to my wife I said I don't want you to think that you know you walked me back from this because like, I don't know what to do like, it, like I'm at my last resort but I did say I will make this contract with myself and I said what I do know is I may not know what to do but I know I have not done everything I can do so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do everything I can to change my situation around to change where I'm at in my life around I'm going to do everything I can if I get to the point where I've done everything that I can and nothing hasn't changed I'm going to check up out of here that's where I was at but I made a contract with myself and I had an agreement with myself that I would not leave this earth on my own under my own power as in taking my own life until I tried everything I could to change my life around so that was the contract that I made with myself and I'm going to be honest with you all things actually got harder I actually still had those thoughts but what I did was I stopped myself from having those thoughts 
So the first thing that I realized I had to do is I had to change my beliefs. Many people believe that your thoughts are what determine your reality. But I'm going to let you know your thoughts do not determine your reality. Your beliefs do. We have the average person has 30 to 60,000 thoughts every single day. So if your thoughts really determined your reality, you would have a different reality because you have up to 60,000 thoughts a day. But it is not your thoughts, it's your beliefs. Now, I know many people, you may have a preconceived notion of what beliefs are, or some of you all are sitting here like, Virgil, what's a belief? Or what do you think a belief is? This is what I believe a belief is, or this is what I think a belief is. A belief is a thought, but it's a thought with an emotion connected to it. So I had to change my beliefs. So I had to change the thoughts that were connected to emotions that I had. I realized that my thoughts and my beliefs, they didn't line up. They did not line up. I realized I had high expectation. I had high expectations, but I had low standards. So to me, my expectations were my thoughts. What I thought I should and could do, but my standard was what I felt. My standard was what I was doing, my actions. So they weren't lining up together. They were disjointed. They were disconnected. So I had to start rewriting my stories. I had to start rewriting my beliefs. So when I say I had to rewrite my beliefs, I had to go back and look at why did I have these certain beliefs? Like what emotional situation was tied to these beliefs that I had about myself and I had to go back and I had to rewrite them because when you have a belief and you have, which is an emotion tied to a thought, that's what you are going to act on. You're not going to act on what you think. You're going to act on what you believe. So if you have a strong emotion tied to you're worthless and that's because when you were younger a situation happened and somebody tore you down maybe you were six seven eight nine ten years old and somebody tore you down and you absorb that feeling with that thought that they placed in you that's what's going to stay there until you change it so i had to realize that i had to change those beliefs because that then that 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 is what becomes a belief so I had to start rewriting my stories. There were also a few things that I realized. After that situation had happened, the old me had died. It had to die. That old me had to die. And I really think when I look back on that situation, because I had made the suicide so real that I like went through it, like I actually did kill me, but I killed that old me. I killed that me, that not me. I killed that, that me that was not serving me. I had to kill it. It had to go. That was all of the traits, attributes, all of the thoughts that did not serve me. That was that not me that had to go. I had, that person had to die and that person died. Um, 
one of the things that I believe is we are called to be masters of ourselves, which means every part of us has to serve us. Our thoughts have to serve us. Our decisions have to serve us. Our habits have to serve us. Everything about us has to serve us. And if it does not serve us, that means we have to cut it off. We have to. If we don't, then it will consistently work against us. And if it's working against us, that's where you get those, those conflicting beliefs and thoughts at. So anything that's in you that does not serve you, you have to get rid of it. If you don't, it's going to work against you. Um, one of the things that I, that was also that I that I realized was also the not me was what I thought other people expected of me. I was literally being an avatar for everyone else, and that had to stop. So, I, I, I have this I have this running joke that I have with myself. For those of you all who don't personally know me, I'm six feet nine inches tall. And the running joke that I have of myself is, I know, first off, me being 6'9", people are always coming up to me. People are consistently coming up to me, asking me, how tall am I? They're either making, you know, either some type of joke or they are smitten or enamored or, 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 or impressed. How tall am I? And, and this is the running joke. This is how I know if I'm a little fat and I'm out of shape. If someone comes up to me and they say, first, hey, how tall are you? I tell them, did you play football? Then I know I'm fat. <laughs> if I'm if I'm good and I'm in shape, they'll come up to me and be like, hey, do you play basketball? Then I know, okay, I look slim. But if I if I look a little chubby or I look chubby, somebody come up to me and they'll ask me, hey, do you play football? Then I know, hey, I look chubby. I might need to put some, you know, put down some of this weight that I got. But one of the things that a lot of people would always say to me is, because typically I would tell them, no, I don't play basketball or I don't play basketball anymore, you know, depending on what, what section it was in my life. Um, well, I, if I were you, and you, you we, we always get that. If I were you, those of you all who are tall, you know it. If I were you, I would be playing professional basketball. I'm 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 30, right now I'm 33 years old. I, the average life for a professional NBA player is three years. So even if I went to the NBA, the likelihood that I would still be playing anyway is slim to none. But I, I really think I could be 70 and people would still be like, if I were you, I would be playing basketball. I don't, I realize people don't really think about the things they say, but that was always what I would hear. If I were you, I would be doing, I would be playing basketball, I'll be playing professional, I'll be in the NBA, you're wasting your height, da, 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 da. That's what I would always hear. That's what I've heard for a very long time over my life. And so what that what that made me do was just made me really. <laughs> that made me just be ashamed of just me, like just me, just me. I'm just I, I didn't choose to be six, nine. I, I, I didn't consciously. Choose, I don't know. I didn't choose to be six, nine. So just me, just being me, I felt like was a disappointment to everybody else. Not like my action because there were a lot of things that I did. And I know what I started doing instead of just accepting who I was, I would start justifying like, hey, well, I'm doing this. You know, I'm a teacher. I work in education. I'm a coach. I got this business. I do this. I do that. Da, 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 da. Just trying to kind of lessen that blow as opposed to just 
kind of blowing off their opinion of me. So what I would do is try to minimize the blow and I realized that was wrong. So what I had to start doing next is I had to stop or I'm sorry I said what I what I started doing. What I had to stop doing was I had to stop minimizing my trauma. So I had some trauma early on in life and even walking around and people telling you how much they they don't know you from a can of paint but they're telling you how disappointed they are in you because you're not doing what your life what they felt like you should be doing. That weighs on you after a while. So what I realized is I had to get rid of that. Now, as I started to get older and I started to mature and also like, moving forward, like I kind of already had this idea that I was supposed to be helping people. Like I had a feeling I was supposed to be helping people. And I realized I had been doing that my whole life. Like even when I was a little kid, my friends would always come to me and ask me for advice or my friends would always, they always knew I was the one that just wasn't thinking like everyone else. So as I continue to move forward in this transition of enlightenment, I started realizing, okay, I have this feeling that I'm supposed to help people. So I started helping people, you know, started helping even more. I was already helping people before, but now I'm, you know, now I'm mindful of, and I'm, I'm being very mindful. And I'm going to talk on, touch on mindfulness a little bit later, but I was being very mindful of me helping people. But I was putting my value in helping people. And one thing I had to realize, and I got to this point when I realized helping others does not determine my value. But because I am valuable, I can help other people. And some of you all may say that's a little semantical. That You know, that might be semantics, but it's not. See, most people feel like if I don't help anyone, I'm not valuable. But I realized because I am valuable, so because I have a, a a trait, a value, a skill, a gift, whatever we want to call it, because I have that, I can help other people. So what that means is even if I don't help anyone, I'm still valuable. I am still valuable even if I'm not helping anyone else. I didn't tie my value into other people. I tied my value. I learned to tie my value into myself. And with me tying my value into myself, then I was able to release helping other people and putting other people in front of me. Now I could focus on healing me first, then helping everyone else heal. But I can't help anybody else. I can't fully help people how I'm supposed to help people if I'm not right first. So by me realizing that, you know what, I, I, I have this skill and it's there, it's not going anywhere. I am valuable regardless. Like I don't have to, I don't have to keep, keep up this numbers check. That, you know, I got to keep helping people or I lose my value. You know, it's not a use or to lose it thing. It's a you have it because that's what's in you. So when I started practicing the mindfulness, that helped me realize, okay, I have this gift. And what I did was I started looking at life. Let's just say we look at life like a football football game. 
I stopped trying to be the quarterback and I started being the offensive coordinator up in the booth. See, when it comes to if you're trying to be the court, the quarterback, the quarterback doesn't see the blind side blitz that's coming and he gets hit in the back, fumbles the ball. That's how we are in life. If we're not being mindful, we don't see all these different things. But it's when we become mindful and take ourselves out of the proverbial game of life and put ourselves up in the coach's booth that we can see everything that's going on. And that's what we have. And that's what I did. I started seeing everything that was going on. So then what, what happened next was I got a therapist. So getting a therapist was very pivotal for me. It was a pivotal step. And I needed it because I needed it to learn how to trust again. I finally had someone who was a neutral individual who I could be honest with. I didn't have to wear a mask or hide behind the persona of being this big tough guy. I told y'all I'm 6'9". So people expect me to just be this big guy that could just take any type of onslaught of physical, emotional, mental attacks and and just be able to take it like like i'm not a human but i didn't have to wear that tough guy mask the therapists don't know me i'm in therapy to get help i don't have to worry about protecting an image so it was great that i was able to get the therapist because the therapist allowed me to be open so that way i can learn how to trust again I had realized then this is one of the reasons why I, why I really went to therapy because I realized that I had in me being mindful, trying to get down to, you know, okay, what are the root causes of my problems and my issues? How did I get here? What did I get? How did I get here? What led me here? What issues in my life am I trying to uncover? What I realized is that I had locked myself away from myself and I didn't know how to access the inner me anymore. And you have to be able to get to that inner you in order to be able to, to, to flourish in this world properly, in order to flourish wholly in a whole manner. If you don't have access to that inner you, then you'll struggle with self-esteem. You'll struggle with, with people pleasing. You'll struggle with, 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 with getting things and chasing items instead of chasing, you know, values. Like that's why it's important to get to that inner you. So I realized I had lucked myself locked myself away from myself i had also accepted me so that was next like i had accepted me all of me many people struggle with accepting that 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 lesser side that lower side that dark side no i accepted all of me i accepted my strengths my weaknesses my gifts my curses my highs my lows i understood that i wasn't either but i was all i wasn't either or i was all so I understood that, man, I'm great with coming up with ideas, but I was terrible with sticking things out. I'm wonderful with children, but I realized I had very little patience when it came to adults. I can inspire the hell out of somebody else, but I liked self-motivation. These were the things that made up me and I had to accept all of them. I had to. Then the most crucial thing that I did was I started to study me. Everything that was me, I studied it. So I could be the best for myself first, then my family, my wife, my children, my friends, and then the world. I started studying me. I, I, I lost that fear factor of what someone says we can't do, we can do. And I went into studying me. Now, in part two of this, I'm going to get into the specifics of my self-studying 
and tie it into the first part of my enlightenment because this is the middle part of my enlightenment. My enlightenment had multiple layers. So I'm going to tie it into the first part of my enlightenment and then I'm going to go into where it has led me to. So that's what I'm going to do on on part two of this. I just really wanted to kind of get into into the steps of my enlightenment that I went through so that way it can help you in, in kind of figuring out, OK, what do you need to do to go through your enlightenment so that way you can tra transition into the next phase of your life? So if you have not, please follow me on IG at infrastructure underscore of a underscore man. We also have a discord for infrastructure of a man. We have a group of men that come together. We talk, we share ideas. Um, we, we we're pouring it to each other. We're sharing resources with each other. And if you have not already check out the other episodes and then share this episode with five of your friends, please share this episode. Someone's going to need this information and they need you to share it with them. They may not be able to hear it on their own, but they know, but I know that if you give it to them, then they'll get the information that they need from this. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. And I hope you all were nourished in the kitchen. I'll see you all next week.